Are you alive in the house tonight? How many want to know of that guy? I've heard of that guy in a long time. Look, don't be that guy. And don't be that girl. Shoot. All right. Oh, man. I got to find a good one. Oh, this is sick. I don't know if you guys want to hear this one. Don't be that guy who doesn't clean the toilet seat after he is done wrecking it. (laughs) Seriously. Especially, yeah, we've done it, but some of us didn't clean it. So look, if you do it, that's one thing. But clean up the stinking toilet seat. Anybody, anybody with me in the house tonight? Oh, my gosh. Especially if you're at somebody else's house. Wipe it down. If you need to, ask for a scrubby thing. Get them side marks. Okay. Sickos. All right, you there? Luke 15. How many encouraged tonight so far? You've been encouraged? All right, you there? Luke 15. Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we're going we're gonna to jump down uh, to verse 8. Last week, or sorry, not last week. How many enjoyed Jim at the park last week? Was that not fun? I had a, I had a good time. I think at the end of the year, end of the summer, we're going to try and do another one. Uh, but we're going to try and connect with all the other youth ministries in Anchorage and do a big gym at the park and kind of kind of do a send-off to all kids going to school. So we're thinking about thinking about that. Um, so I had a good time last week at gym at the park. But a couple weeks ago, I taught from uh, Luke 15, uh, 4 through 7, the lost sheep. The lost sheep tonight, we're going to talk about the lost coin. The lost coin. Sound good? All right, here we are, Luke 15, verse 1. Remember, we gotta we got to get a picture of what's happening here. The Bible says all the tax collectors and the sinners say, uh-oh, say, that's me. Come on. All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Who's him? Good. <laughs> and the Pharisees and scribes, or the, the, the religious people, complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Some translations say, this man welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. It's one thing to receive somebody. It's another thing to eat with somebody in that culture particularly. In our culture, it's, it's not that big of a deal when you eat with somebody. But especially in their culture, uh, you don't eat food with somebody that you don't uh, come to terms with, somebody that you don't agree uh, with, with, with the values or with their heritage or with their philosophies they believe. If you didn't agree with them, if they didn't believe in God, if they were sinners or tax collectors, you just didn't do that. So Jesus comes, and he spends time with some sinners, and he spends time with some tax collectors. And people didn't like tax collectors back then, and most don't like them today. Anyway, so jump on down to verse 8. It says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. Jesus is sitting here with sinners, eating with them. Some religious people come in and go, who the heck does this guy think he is eating with sinners 
and tax collectors. He calls himself the man. Why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? So Jesus tells two parables, two stories so far. He tells the third one later. But the first one was a lost sheep. The second one was a lost coin. Next week we'll talk about the prodigal son. But he tells a few parables to describe to his listeners and to those sinners and tax collectors who were there. Why does Jesus hang out with sinners and tax collectors? So we find this story and he says, what woman? Say woman. What woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? You have to... You have to understand context real quick before we jump in to the message. Context is this. In those days, a woman who was married would wear a garland around her neck. And on that garland was ten coins. And those ten coins represented her marriage. And so if one of those coins was missing and her husband came home, bad juju. Not good. And so... Jesus is telling a practical story that people in their day would understand. He says, what woman, if she has coins, if she loses one of them, doesn't she stop everything she's doing, sweep the house, light a lamp, and search carefully until she finds it? And everybody then around him is going, yeah, totally. Who doesn't do that? What woman doesn't do that? So he's using a practical story. And then he says, when she founds it, when she founds it, when she has found it, She calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. You pray with me? Would you bow your eyes, close your head? Try that. That's really weird. Bow your eyes close. Okay. Father, tonight we're thankful so much for Jesus. God, we're thankful that you embraced us, he welcomed us, and you received us into your house, into your home. God, we thank you that you're here tonight. You are omniscient. You know everything. You're omnipresent, God. You're everywhere. And God, you're omnipotent. You can do anything. And tonight, God, we ask that you would touch our hearts and that you would encourage us and that you would strengthen us and that you'd build up your people. And God, show us what it looks like to do the ministry of Jesus looking for lost coins. Thank you, Lord, for Scotty McCreary, who won American Idol last night. Bless him, Lord. He is a believer. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you watched American Idol last night? Yes. I was rooting for Scotty. He's hot. And he's 16. And he's 16. Yeah, he's a country he's a country singer. Dude, he has like he's sixteen, he has a solid voice. Anyway, side note. These keys are really amazing, actually. Uh, uh, to get into this building you need like well, you need one key to get into it. But to get around the building, you need like six keys. You know, it'd be smart to just make one. <laughs> but you know, I'm not the one making keys, so I just take everyone that I need to get around. One day I was here, and I needed to get into my office, but I couldn't find my keys. Suck. So literally, 
It was actually one of the nights we had an encounter night. How many of you have had that one, been to one of our encounter nights? And for an hour and a half, I searched my pockets 16 times probably. You know how you do that? You're trying to find something. You keep checking your pockets even though, like, you think they're going to appear. Oh, oh, there they are. Gosh. Or you keep just looking in the same places over and over again. And then you have the, the smart people coming to you like, where's the last place you had them? And you're like, oh, yeah. Well, if I knew that, you idiot, I would just go right there and go get them, you know? And you have other people who are just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. I hope you find them. Let me pray for you. The super spiritual people. I'll be praying that you find your keys. Thanks. There's people dying in Africa, and you're going to pray for my keys. <laughs> I appreciate your compassion, but uh, you're weird. And seriously, hour and a half. We're like in pre-service. I'm trying to pray, trying to be spiritual, you know. No, I'm kidding. Out, we were praying, and constantly I searched my pockets probably, well, how many times did I say? 17? 16? 17 times. And I was walking around and I was frustrated. Yelling at people. No, I wasn't. I was just like, what in the heck? Who, who took my keys? Then, I start, then you start blaming people, you know. Start walking around. Hey, who took my keys? Did you take my keys? Especially when my Bible's missing. I just know people stole it. For real. How many times do you find somebody else who has somebody else's Bible? That's just wrong. I've seen that before. Or people that go into the given, or sorry, the, uh, the lost and found. They go through all the Bibles. and like, oh, this is a nice one. It's not my name, but it's nice. Don't steal people's Bibles. Anyway, side note. But I started accusing everybody for stealing my keys because I seriously thought somebody took my keys and was playing a joke with me. And then three or four people walked up to me. Hey, uh, so... Have you found them yet? I'm like, no. Did you go to the last place that you had them? I told you I didn't find them. <laughs> if I went to the last place I had them, I would have found them. They're like, oh, well, I'll keep praying. <laughs> and like right before the service, I went to my, I have a little satchel. It's a man purse. Called a purse. Holds my Bible and my journals. And I looked through that thing 15 times. Never found it. So that's my story for the night. Never found my keys. No, they disappeared one day. Okay, I'm kidding. No, but I looked in my satchel probably 15 times, and finally, I looked in the pocket I hadn't looked before, pulled out my keys, and there they were. That person walked up. So did you find them in the place you left them last? Yeah, I'm going to kill you. They're like, oh, <laughs> okay, I'll keep praying for you. That's happened to me so many times. It's kind of annoying, actually. And it's really even more annoying how many people tell you, hey, just go look where you had them last. Just trace back your steps. You're like, oh, well, I've been looking for 30 minutes, so it's going to be kind of hard to trace them all the way back to where I started. I'll pray discernment for you, brother. Oh, okay. Well, I can't wait to look. Idiots. Just kidding. How many times do we go looking for something and we find it right where we had it last? Or we find it 
either in your pocket, in your purse, in your purse. Sometimes it's in your hair. Looking for a pencil. Gosh, somebody stole my pencil. Girls, I've seen this so much in school. <laughs> and they're sitting right in front of you. And they're looking everywhere for their pencil. It's right there. Let's <laughs> pray discernment for them. Lord, give her discernment. Help her out, Lord. Then I pull it out. Keep it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, though, how many times do we go looking for something and it's right there where we found it. You know, as a church, we put a lot of emphasis on evangelism. And I think that's important as a church. Because Jesus talks about looking for the lost sheep. But I think we need to put more emphasis on looking for lost people in our own circle. It's one thing to leave a building to go look for somebody who's in Africa and go on a mission trip. It's another thing to spend time with your little brother or your little sister because you want them to feel loved and known and to be discovered by Christ. Well, you know, I just feel called to do missionary work across the world. Sweet. How about you seek somebody who's in your church that you're not normally talking with? You know, I think if we spent most of our time pursuing one another, unbelievers would want to be around us because there's such an environment of acceptance and forgiveness and love that they want to be around us. I'm talking about you and the person sitting next to you, the person that you see every week. I'm not talking about necessarily the people who are not here tonight. I'm talking about the people that you're sitting with, the people that are in this room tonight. I'm talking about us. And I'm talking about those who are lost among us. And I believe that if we spend more time pursuing one another, and not just the person you normally naturally spend time with, but somebody who you realize or recognize isn't found, who is unknown, I promise you more people would want to be a part of this church. I promise you more people would want to be a part of the church. But what we do is we get in our little groups, we stay in them, and then we try and go look for people who are in the world. Lord, help us. I don't take that away from you. I don't th- I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is, what if the church pursued unity with each other first? You know, when you look in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47, you see just a, a, a small portal into what the early church looked like. And the Bible over and over and over again emphasizes in this small passage, about eight verses, what it looks like for people to love each other, to know each other, to be in unity with each other, and to be at peace with one another. And the, at the end, in verse 47, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, he says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In other words, God goes, hey, that's a church that that loves each other, knows each other, and seeks each other, and pursues each other. I'm going to bring some more people there because I know that if they come in there, they're going to be pursued also. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people that come to this youth ministry and say, yeah, you know, it's just too hard to get connected. You know, because everybody has their own little group. 
I mean, the worship was good. Preaching was great. Thanks. But I just didn't feel like I could really connect. Felt like, you know, they already had their group. It was hard to get in, they said. And that makes me sad. Because what it tells me is that most of us in here aren't really even known and pursued. And that when new people come in, we don't pursue them and love them. But Gabriel, I only have so much time. Yeah. I know. So do I. But what are you going to invest your time in? I'm not saying you neglect the ones that you're close with now. I'm saying you take the close relationships you have now and include somebody who's not a part of that little circle. I love Jesus. I love how he just messes with people's heads. Just This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus tells this story. What woman, if she has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Three words. You with me? Three words. First word is woman. Say woman. Come on, say woman. Don't call your mom woman. Don't call your sister woman. Don't call your grandma woman. One word, woman. Say woman. Come on, say woman. Man, get some attitude. Say woman. Second word, it's coin. Say coin. Come on, say coin. Third word, house. Come on, say house. Woman. Come on, woman. Woman. That's fine. Woman. Coin. House. Still going through puberty. Woman, coin, house. In the Bible, when the Bible speaks of a woman... It most likely always refers to the church. Say church. When Jesus speaks of a woman, he's speaking most of the time of the church. Say church. So when Jesus talks about the woman, who's he talking about? The church. Coin. 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 Oh my gosh. Billy, I need some security, bro. Jesus spoke of a sheep. The point, the perp, the, the, the one, the thing that was sought out in the first story was what? It was a sheep, right? And the sheep represents humans, right? So if the thing that's sought out in the second story is a coin, then it's probably referring to what? People. So then the woman represents the church, and the coin represents a person, but not just a person. It's a person of value because Jesus has purchased that person, and we as the church wear that coin around our neck, and Jesus, who is the church's husband, one day we will go to him with all those whom God has given us. If you don't understand me, that's okay. I'm going to share this real quick. Try to follow me. One day when We go to Jesus. He's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? 
I didn't ask you to get more. I asked you to seek the coins. I didn't ask you to go look for coins outside of the house. I asked you to look for sheep who are outside of the house. I didn't ask you to turn goats into sheep. I asked you to look for sheep. What's a goat? A goat is an unbeliever. What's a sheep? A sheep is a believer. We need to spend more time looking for lost sheep in the world, lost believers in the world, than we do try to turn goats into sheep. Why? Jesus says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. There's plenty of people that have already been born again, but they just haven't had a place to come and find family. And I promise you, if you spend more time looking for lost sheep who are not a part of the family, and less time trying to turn a goat into a sheep, you'll find success in your life. God didn't ask you to try to make the harvest happen. He asked you to go grab the harvest. He asked you to go find the lost sheep that are out there. And the coin are those who are in the house. What's the house? Woman, coin, house. House represents the house of God. It represents the family of God. It represents the people of God. It represents where God dwells as the temple. We are the temple of God individually, locally, and universally around the entire world. We are the house of God. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying the woman, the church, has lost people in the house. You following me? I'm talking about lost people in here. I'm not talking about people who aren't saved. No, I'm talking about people who are saved because they're coins, but nobody knows them. See, a coin is not somebody who isn't saved. A coin is somebody who is saved but isn't known. A coin is somebody who is saved but doesn't feel like they're a part of the house. A coin is somebody who is saved, who is a believer, who has confessed Jesus, but it's not around the garland, around the church's neck. What does that even mean? Well, the garland around the church's neck is that that coin should be in the rightful place of honor where he or she is supposed to be. What I'm saying is lost coins are people who are of great value, who need to be in the right place in the church. And what that looks like is being knit together. When I first became the youth pastor three years ago, the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't try to turn goats into sheep. And don't try to make coins. He didn't use those exact words. But he said, don't try to get more. Just be faithful with what I've given you. See, you know, when Jesus came, God gave him 12 men. And in John 17, Jesus prays, Father, I've kept all those you've given me. I only lost one because he was the son of perdition. His name was Judas. He betrayed me. But that was so the scripture would be fulfilled. So, but, 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 Lord, I kept all those that you gave me. My question is this. This isn't just my family. This is your family. And are you keeping all those whom God has given you? And are you loving all those whom God has given to you? Are you being faithful with what God has given you? And me. And us. I love it. It says four things. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? 
Light a lamp. Lamp brings revelation. A lamp brings illumination, right? Where there is no light, there is no illumination. Where there is light, there is illumination, right? What, what Jesus is saying is, what woman doesn't turn on a lamp, light a lamp, and begin to look around? What does a lamp mean for you? What does a lamp mean for me? A lamp means, ask God, God, who in this body do I need to pursue? A lamp means pray and ask God to illuminate your understanding and your mind and your heart and ask him, Lord, who? Not what, Lord, who? Right? Who first, what second? If we spend more time on asking God who, I promise you, you'll hear him speak more to you. Dr. Seuss. Just kidding. But seriously, if you ask God more about the who, you will hear his voice more clearly. So light a lamp. Ask God. Pray and ask simply, Lord who? Wait for a face, and usually that face means the Lord's giving that person to you. It doesn't mean to make a disciple of. It doesn't mean to try to fix them. They're already a coin. He just wants you to love them. Light a lamp. Ask God. And then it says, sweep the house. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. Aggressive. Be aggressive. Not like a cheerleading chant or something like that. Be aggressive. Aggressive. Be, okay. <laughs> Stop me. Okay. Be aggressive. The woman turns on a lamp and she begins to sweep the house. She begins to look with aggression. When you walk into a church service, when you walk into somebody's house, when you're living your life, be aggressive. At pursuing somebody. Don't sit back and wait. Don't sit back in your slothfulness or your laziness, but be aggressive and look for somebody. Right? You with me? Be aggressive. Search somebody the way God searched for you, and he was aggressive. Sweep the house. That means you step back and you look and you begin to clean until you find it. Next thing it says. Search carefully. This means be intentional. It means don't do it nonchalantly, per se. Thanks, Billy. (laughs) Don't do it with an attitude of carelessness. Do it with an attitude of carefulness. You with me? When you begin to go talk to somebody, Be careful. Be intentional. Don't just don't just talk to them. Don't just talk to them. Be intentional about getting to know them. Don't try to fix them. Be intentional about getting to know them. Are you with me? Are you intentional about pursuing people? Okay, bro, that's just not my personality. I don't give a crap. I don't care what your personality is. And if your personality says you're not a people person, I don't really care. 
Because you're a person, so therefore you're a people person. You're a child of God, therefore you're a people person. Get used to it. Because without people, you will go insane. You'll go insane. I promise you. you I heard him one time. <laughs> I hear people. <laughs> you ever see that movie? I see dead people. It's a creepy movie. Don't watch that. It's horrible. You're made for people. People are made for you. You with me? Be intentional. And finally, and I've said this many times before, be relentless. It says, search carefully until she found it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Listen, I'm wrapping this up. Follow me. What I'm saying is there are people that are here tonight. There are people who aren't here tonight who normally are here. I'm saying there are people that come together with us. There are people that come on a Sunday service that are part of this church, that are part of this body, that are not intentionally, aggressively, and relentlessly being pursued. And I'm challenging you and myself as the church to stop being lazy, to stop being selfish, to sweep the house, turn on the lamp, and look aggressively and intentionally to find people. And when that woman found that coin, she put it right where it belongs. And what that means for you and what that means for me is to search people out until, keywords, listen, until they feel like they're just as valuable as you are among the family. Because there is a hierarchy, per se, in this youth ministry that should not be. There are some who feel more confident to be a part of this family than others. And that should not be. What I'm saying is that each of you and each of us should feel just as valuable as me. As the youth pastor, I am no more valuable than you. I'm just another coin in a different place, but I'm just another coin. I have been discovered and I have been known and I have been found. And I want to give my life for this body to look for some of you that God puts on my heart to search you out. But that doesn't mean I'm the only one. Each of us, as the woman, as the church, should take upon this call and upon this burden to search people out until they feel just as valuable. Who knows what's in each individual coin? Who knows? What if a whole state in Africa or a whole province in Africa is in one individual? Who knows how much each coin has within it? Who knows that there isn't a coin in this room that is supposed to take ownership of Service High School and 
be an evangelist there. Who knows what's inside of each coin? Who knows what's inside of the coin in this city or in this church or in this body right now that is supposed to go to Diamond High School and take ownership of that school and look for lost sheep? You don't know what's inside that coin. Your job is to ask God who and to intentionally bring them to that place of value where they feel just as valued as you do a part of this family. If you feel like you're more confident than somebody else in this room around this family. That means that you need to bring them in. You, am I, are you with me? Next thing, practically. Don't try to fix them. Just love them. Don't try to fix them. Just get to know them. Because you will discover their value if you just search out their heart. And you will discover that coin that has been lost in the house for so long. And don't push away coins because you think, well, that coin's been saved for a long time. His dad is a pastor or his dad is an elder or his dad helped start this church. I don't care. Their heritage or their pedigree. They're still lost coins. Don't push them aside because they've been here so long. Somebody's presence for a certain amount of time does not say that they are valued. It's a little nugget. Search somebody out. Don't try to fix them. Gabriel, what does that mean practically? When you go to meet with them, don't have an agenda. If your agenda is to fix them, you have a bad agenda. If your agenda is to draw out their heart and get to know them and help them come to know themselves and how valuable they are, that's a good agenda. If your agenda is to challenge them, you have a wrong agenda. But Gabriel, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. When God came to you, he did not have an agenda to fix you. He had an agenda to find you. Don't fix them. Just love them. You with me? Talking about us. Talking about this body. A few more minutes. I'm talking about a Friday night friend. Not a ministry friend. See, there's two different types of friends that we have as Christians. We have ministry friends, and then we have Friday night friends. We have ministry friends, and we have camping friends. We have ministry friends, and we have stay over the night at my house friends. There should not be two. There should be one. A Friday night friend, or sorry, we'll start with a, we'll start with a ministry friend. A ministry friend is somebody you feel obligated to spend time with because they're in your ministry and you're a leader. Jesus doesn't have ministry friends. He has family friends. It's Friday night friends. Friday night friend is a friend that you want to hang out with. Think about it. What happens on a Friday night? Friday night rolls around, and you begin to think, man, I did my ministry this week. Now it's just time for me and my Friday night friends. <laughs> Shoot. I'm going to call Georgie. 
Sally, Jermaine. I'm not saying don't hang out with your Friday night friends. I'm saying look for somebody who isn't a Friday night friend and invite them into your Friday night. Does that make sense? I'm saying everybody should be a Friday night friend and nobody should be excluded. But they're a sinner. Yeah, so are you. And so am I. The problem is they aren't known as you, so you feel more confident to be a part of this body because somebody pursued you. Check this out. You're not confident because you're some righteous person by yourself. Now, yes, in and of yourself, by the grace of God, because of the work of Christ, you have been declared righteous. But you feel confident here because somebody sought you out and made you feel valuable. Somebody. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was Reed Anderson. Maybe it was Rachel Rogers. Maybe it was Andrew Meisner. Maybe it was Jesse Meisner or Cameron Ramirez or Constance Campbell or Sheree Ruff. I don't know who sought you out, but are you seeking somebody out? Because if you aren't, it's probably because you're not known. See, when you become known, you start looking for people. Well, Gabriel, I'm not known. Okay, then start making yourself known. Help us. The bummer about coins is coins don't talk. That's sad. Think about that. Coins don't talk. Sheep make noise. (laughs) Is that a goat? What is that? Is that a lamb? Sheep make noise. Coins don't talk. And the sad thing is that there's so many lost coins in this room right now. So many, so many, so many. Some of you are even leaders, and you don't feel known or loved or understood. There's so many lost coins in this house who aren't going to say something. I ask you tonight, if you don't feel alone, if you don't feel loved, please tell somebody. If you don't feel valued, tell somebody. And those of you who do, those of you who are on that garland around the church's neck, in that valuable place of honor, those who feel comfortable in the family, I commission and challenge you, go look for lost coins. Amen. Would you stand with me? glad you came tonight. Hope you were encouraged. Hope you were challenged. Hope you were built up. I had a great time in worship with my father. How about you? It is Memorial Weekend. My clock says 838. I think it's 841 right now. Right now in the, in the Bonhoeffer's area, in the foyer area, right out there up the stairs, you can sign up for camp. If you've not signed up for camp, please do. You can pay. If you haven't paid, please do. And also, if you want to raise money, we printed off lots and lots of car wash tickets, and you can get up to 10 of them. And you can go sell them throughout this week. There's no actual price for each car wash. It's, a, it's an expected donation. So don't say it's 10 bucks. Just say whatever they want to give, and they can come to those dates. So if you need to raise money, you can head out to the foyer right after I pray, and you can go do that. And other than that, take your Friday night, take your, maybe it's not a Friday night. Please understand the analogy. The analogy, the analogy is just time when you want to spend with who you want to spend with. Does that make sense? 
That's why I use the analogy of a camping friend. That's why I use the analogy of a stay-the-night friend. Include people, include people, include people who aren't known. Please, please, please hear this call. I challenge you. So if you're not signing up for camp, you already have, and, you, and you're not getting, if you're not getting tickets, have a great night. Say hi to somebody. Give some people some hugs. Look for lost coins. And don't tell them that they're a lost coin. That's stupid. Just search, seek somebody out to get to know them and love them. Amen? All right. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Come on. Raise them. Raise them. Raise them. Raise them. Raise them. Put them down. Put them down. Put them down. Father, tonight, thank you, Lord, that you came upon us tonight. And God, that you touched us tonight. And God, that you stretched out your hand to us tonight. And God, you encouraged us and strengthened us. And God, you renewed our thinking. You renewed our mind about what's important. And Lord, help us to be a church like Jesus that spends time with sinners, that spends time with tax collectors, that are around us all the time. God, help us to do the ministry of Jesus to include people into our Friday night life. We love, we bless you tonight. To you be all the honor and the glory in this house and in this church forever. And everybody said amen.